His little eyes follow big eyes. And be careful big ears what you hear because little ears follow big ears. And be careful little feet where you go because little feet follow big feet. What I'm saying is uh, they follow dad. Your children follow dad. And so happy Father's Day to me. You know, you sure I always like to get a new pack of socks or something. That's good. Now, I'm sure my wife got me something elaborate that I'll have to go to work for next week, extra work to pay for it. But, you know, it's all good. But, um, you know, happy Father's Day to me is when I see my kids make good choices and they choose righteousness over wickedness. That's happy Father's Day. Amen. Amen to that. My son, uh, one of my sons, he said he didn't want to, he, they scheduled a baseball practice on Wednesday night, and he said, can I go to church? I said, absolutely. So we skipped practice and came to church. That, that, made, that was Happy Father's Day. And now he might just want to sit in the air conditioning rather than go out on the field and sweat. I'm not sure. He might have tricked me. I'm kidding, but uh, that, that's Happy Father's Day. So uh, fathers have a, have a big job, not as big a job as moms, though. I know y'all's is a lot harder because y'all have to give birth, and that's terrible. I've seen it once. After that, I decided I'm staying north of the equator. Never see that again. Forget it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Not to scare anybody that's pregnant or anything, but it's bad. Uh, last week we talked about the full 103. That's Psalms 103. And it's been divided where people don't receive the full thing. We're going to get back into that. We're going to stay in that until the Lord tells me to get somewhere else. But I do want to touch on one thing real quick. Jonathan was teasing around last week about giving the kids Benadryl. And I, I, on Wednesday night, if you weren't here, about giving the kids Benadryl. And he said, I'm just kidding. I'm thinking, no, I'm not kidding. Well, that's what you do on the way to the beach. You pull over and you pump them full of Benadryl, and then you're ready to ride for about four or five hours. Yes, sir. Amen. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted to throw that out there. But Psalms 103, let me start reading right here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Now, we did read this last week. So don't think that I have a bad memory and haven't forgotten that. I know we did. We're going to read it for several more weeks, and we're going to cover it. Uh, some other scriptures that we read last week, too, because it takes a minute sometimes, especially when you've been sitting under another teaching that scratches that last part out about heals all your diseases. Uh, you need to hear it more than once. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not just coming and hearing it one time and then you're good for now. It's continually hearing, continually hearing, continually hearing. Just like watching the news and listening to negative reports, that's continually hearing. And that's the opposite of faith. You know it's bad before you cut it on, so don't even waste time cutting it on. I've, I don't think I've ever watched the news and saw anything good on there except the time they had me on the news making a tackle on Friday night, and that was pretty good. I saw my grandma on the news one time, and that was pretty good. My mom was on the news one time, too, but we won't go there. So, <laughs> But who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases? All is all. And who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? 
For some reason, I'm not really sure why churches divide that. They preach forgiveness. I mean, thousands of sermons per year uh, or, you know, for, for decades preached on forgiveness and very few on healing. As if God doesn't heal anymore and he only forgives. You can't separate it. You just don't pick and choose what you want. Amen. Um, let's look right here. This is the same scripture we got into last week, and then we'll, we'll expound on all this a little bit. Luke, the 5th chapter, 17th verse. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. And we talked about that last week. The power of the Lord's present to do a lot of things. And it's all, it, it was right under their nose the whole time. They're trying to find fault with him. They're trying to pick him apart. They got a magnifying glass trying to find anything wrong. But the power was there. You understand? And some churches are still the same today. I've been that way before where the power of God was right there ready to do something. I was just looking through the wrong lens. Then behold, a man brought on a man a bed who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And they could not find uh, how they might bring him in because of the crowd. And so they went up on the housetop and they let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. So these guys literally go up, pull this man paralyzed on a mat up on top of the roof, ripped off the tiling. It was like clay tiling or you call it terracotta type. Y'all probably seen the roofs like that where it's made out of, of, of tiling and ripped it off and lower him through there into the midst. You weren't keeping them out. That's how we need to be. Ain't nothing standing between me and Jesus. Not, not a person's opinion. I don't care what they think. That's the mindset you need to have. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaks blasphemies? It's funny, isn't it? They're accusing Jesus, the Son of God, of speaking blasphemies. Uh, he says, Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, i tell you who can, the one that God sent to forgive us of our sins, to die for our sins. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? He said, which is easier? Your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk? He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man that's paralyzed, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately the man rose up he took the bed he had been lying on and departed to his house, glorifying God. Amen. Well, these guys are trying to find fault with him. And this man's coming to receive a healing. But I want you to see there, when Jesus says, which is easier, aren't you glad he didn't say which is harder? He says, which is easier because it's the same. In other words, if he gets up, you know he's healed. If he gets up, you know he's forgiven. It's the same to Jesus. He's saying you can receive your healing just the same way as you can receive your forgiveness. That's what Jesus is saying. And you can say, well, that was Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus said to you and me that we'll do the same works as him, but even greater. That's what he said. Is that what he said? He said it's easier. Neither one, which one's easier? They're both easy. Receiving forgiveness is easy. It is easy. It is super simple. It couldn't be any easier because Jesus has already done the work. He went to the cross. He died for us. You and I, we have no work to do whatsoever at all, none. It's just simply receive what's been provided to you. That's it. 
I could pull out some cash right now. I'm not going to. I could pull out some cash and just lay a $100 bill up here and say, who wants it? I provided it to you. All you got to do is come on and get it. Jesus has provided it to you. All you got to do is receive it. Now, you would actually have to come up here and receive it, lay hold of it, reach out, grab it, take it. Faith takes. Faith lays hold. Faith reaches out and grabs the man with the withered hand. He said, reach out your hand. Faith reaches out and grabs things. Faith takes it. Amen. Faith doesn't just sit in a chair and wait for it to fall in your lap. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. You just never know. No, faith takes it. Amen. Jesus didn't divide these two. He said, which is easier? Same thing. You want healing, you want forgiveness. Healing and forgiveness, they go together hand in hand. Which is easier? Well, we've made it hard, haven't we? I'm not sure why we have. But we have, I'll tell you why we have, because it hasn't been taught. It hasn't been taught. Not in the United States of America. It's taught forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Thank the Lord for forgiveness, because that's absolutely the most important. You can be sick and go to heaven, but you don't have to be. You can be forgiven and healed, because it's been provided to you. You just have to receive it. How do you receive it? The same way you receive your forgiveness. You heard a word. You heard a word about Jesus. You believed it. You said, that's good. I want to, he went to the cross and died for me. I want to receive that. You receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the same way healing works. Say, so why is it so hard? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The faith that you need to receive is not going to come unless you get into the word and you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. And not knocking talk radio, not knocking country music, not knocking any of that. Listen to what you want. But I'm just telling you this. If, if you need to to have some faith built up to receive and you're driving to work 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes on the way home and on that 30 minutes on the way to work you're listening to talk radio about the big ball game that will not help your faith that you need to be built up so that you can be the man I didn't think I was preaching on men today but I guess I am so that you can have faith built up so that you can be the man that you are called to be so you can lay hands on your kid and you can proclaim healing over them you can tell Satan to get out of your house, leave your wife alone. I'm the man in the house right here, and you're not welcome. Get out, take a hike. That's what Adam should have done, but instead he just sat there and he watched a conversation between Satan and his wife. He didn't intervene. He should have ran him out. Men still do the same thing today. You know how I know? Because I used to be one of those. Just sit there, don't do anything. Satan come up. Sickness, disease, a long list of things right in the middle of your house and not say a word, call your granny to pray for you or whatever. No, man up. You need some faith to be that man? Cut off the Rick and Bubba show. Cut off uh, Paul Feinbaum. Is WZDK, is that still a thing? Patty and Dollar Bill. Country Boy Can't Survive. I like that song, but that's not <laughs> going to help you. Build your faith up for a healing. It's just not. I do think I'm a country boy, and I do think I'm going to survive. Don't get me wrong. But I don't listen to that song before I preach on Sunday morning thinking, oh, this is going to help the anointing flow right here. <laughs> you, know what, you know how the anointing does flow? Faithfulness. Because you are anointed, I'm anointed, everybody in here has been anointed to do something. You want it to increase, be faithful to what you've been given, and then you'll see it increase. Jesus didn't, didn't divide it. Um, 
here's some prayers that you've probably prayed before and that you've heard prayed before. I've prayed them before. I've heard them prayed before. Sometimes it's his will. Sometimes it's his will. Pray for someone that's sick. If it's God's will, heal them. I've been in the hospital room with my friend. His neck was broken. And another man was in there. We, we met at the same time. We walked in together. And this man said, I'm going to pray for you. And he prayed that God's will be done. Give him peace. Give him strength. Blah, 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 whatever. And he walked out. And I'm like, dear Lord Jesus, man's neck's broke. Do you really think that's God's will? So I asked my buddy. I said, I'm fixing to pray for you. And he said, please do. They don't do anything. Would we do this? Anybody want to get saved out there? Preach this message of salvation? Tell you about the blood of Jesus? Anybody want to get saved? Oh, you do, sir, in the back? Come on up here. All right, well, let me, you know, if it's God's will to save you and forgive you of your sins so that you can go to heaven, if it's, we'll pray if it's God's will that you'll be saved. I guess you'll find out when you die. Go on, sit down. Do we do that? I don't think it's God's will to save you. I don't think it's God's will for you to receive forgiveness of your sins. We don't do that. Why would we do that with healing? Nobody's got an answer to that because it's silly, isn't it? If you break it down and think about it, it's kind of silly. It's God's will. We'll find out if it's God's will. So here, let's do it this way. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I'm just praying for little Johnny right here. And you know he's been battling with this disease, this problem. Lord, if it's, if it's your will, if it's your will, heal him. If it's not your will, then, you know, I guess just give him peace, help him, help him make it. But, you I mean, you're, you're sovereign anyway. You're going to do what you want anyway. So at the end of the day, why am I even praying? I mean, if it's God's will to heal him anyway... He's going to do what he wants to do anyway. If it's not God's will to heal him, he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. So it don't really matter what I say. So what in the world am I even praying for? If it's God's will, that's a weak little wimpy cop out. When you go down to a hospital, if you don't have any faith, God, just if it's your will, there ain't nothing required of me. I'm just going to put it on God. If it's your will, well, get in your Bible and find out what his will is. His will is to forgive all their sins, all their iniquities, and heal all their diseases. All is all. That's his will. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus Christ came that we may have life, not death, life, and have it more abundantly. He said, the blessings of Abraham are upon us, not the curse. Some people say, well, that sickness is just a blessing in the skies. No, it's not. There's no sickness because sickness is from the curse and the curse is not from God, it's from Satan. Sickness is not a blessing in the skies. Well, if I hadn't got sick, went to the doctor, then they wouldn't have found this out and they wouldn't have been able to save me. But yeah, God turned a bad situation, brought something good out of it because his word says that he'll do that. But sickness didn't come from him because the curse don't come from him. He said, her being a daughter of Abraham, shouldn't she be loose from her infirmities? Why? Because she's a daughter of Abraham. Why? What does that mean? Well, the blessings of Abraham flow down to the daughter. And guess what? The same blessings that flow down to Abraham, to that lady, to the daughter, it's flowing to you and me now because of Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
So sometimes it's will, sometimes it's not. Well, it's always his will. Pray and see what happens. Do we pray um, for forgiveness and then wait and see if you feel righteous and if you feel clean? In other words, we, we ask the Lord to forgive us for our sins and be our Lord and Savior. And thank you for, for forgiving me. Do we wait a two or three weeks or two or three months and say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty clean. I'm feeling pretty righteous. I must really be saved. No. You start seeing the cleanliness. You start seeing the righteousness. You start seeing the fruits of it after you believe it and receive it. After you believe it and receive it. You hear me? Why would we do the same? I mean, that's common. I mean, everybody's like, yeah, of course. Why would we do the same thing with sickness? I'll believe I'm healed when I see the symptoms leave. No, the symptoms leave after you believe. Y'all follow me? So you believe and then you receive and then you'll see the symptoms leave. If you're going to wait till you see the symptoms leave and go, oh, well, I must really be healed. I believe it now. That's not how it works. You can't, you, can't, you can't take a meat cleaver and chop it in half and separate forgiveness from um, healing. I know there's some sacred cows and I'm just wearing them out right now, but I, you know, I'm just preaching the truth. And while I'm talking about those, if it's God's will prayers, just let me touch on this one while I'm here. Anybody got an unspoken prayer out there? That does absolutely nothing. Absolutely big zero. Might as well grab hands, stand in a circle and sing Sweet Home Alabama. It does nothing. How can I agree with an unspoken prayer? If a woman, a man, child, anybody came up here and I said, what would you like me to pray for? I can't tell you it's unspoken. Okay, well, uh, Lord, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, just do it. I can't have faith in something I don't know. That's why you can't have faith in Jesus so somebody preaches him to you. You can't have faith in healing because somebody tells you healing belongs to you and it's provided to you by the cross. Well, I can't, I can't have faith and pray for something I don't know either. I have to know what I am praying for so I can put faith in it. For all I know, the unspoken prayer is something that doesn't line up with the word of God. Like I cheated on my income taxes, pray that I don't get caught by the IRS and thrown in jail. I'm praying because I'm in love with my buddy's wife and I really want her. Pray they'll get a divorce. Nobody would pray for that. Yeah, they would. I had somebody ask me to pray at one time. Next, I just had to keep on moving on that one. That's when you say, God's will be done. <laughs> pray, Lord. I, I want this new job right here. If I'm supposed to have it, just open up a door for me. And if I'm not, close the door. That's not a good prayer. Satan can open doors for you too. Satan can close doors for you too. You need to know your God. You need to have this understanding of what this peace feels like. Because when you step, a, step in the wrong direction, that peace that right there in your spirit, say, whoa, whoa, I ain't, oh, no. Back up, hold up. Pray for peace. Satan don't give peace. That other feeling you feel when you're going the wrong way and you feel sick at your stomach, that's not peace. I can tell you where that feeling is coming from. Don't keep walking that way. 
Amen. You believe and receive just the same for both. Um, I haven't lost y'all, have I? We're just building here. We'll go several weeks into this. Mark 11 and 23. Mark 11, 23. For surely I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Well, you believe, you don't doubt in your heart, you speak these things and whatever you say. So there's emphasis there on believing and speaking, believing and speaking. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. Now, most people, uh, lots of, I say most people, there's a lot of people, stop right there. Therefore, when I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. Well, I believe God's good. Well, okay, well, I do too. I believe Jesus came and died on the cross for me. Well, Satan knows he did too. There's more than just believing it. There's a receiving it. Like I said, faith lays hold. Faith takes it. Faith grabs it. I can lay the money up here, give it to you, but you will absolutely have to come and receive it. You have to come and take it. Take what belongs to you. Just like the children of Israel, he said, go into the land and take it. I provided it for you. Take it. Amen. But believing is God's not enough. I'm telling you, you must receive. Just like believing uh, Jesus Christ, you, you, you can hear stories for years about God and Bible stories and things about Jesus and you can believe it, but you have to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior if you want to go to heaven. You have to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. That's a fact. There is no other way to heaven despite what Oprah says. I didn't hear her say it. I heard that she said there's more than one way to heaven. I shouldn't even say that because I didn't hear it with my own ears. There's one way. That's receiving Jesus. That's it. One way. Your good deeds don't get you there and how much money you give away. Receiving Jesus. So let's don't stop right there at the believing. Uh, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. Believe what? That you receive them and you'll have them. So we, re we receive forgiveness. Like I said just a moment ago, we don't wait till we see the symptoms leave and then say, I must have been forgiven. You receive your forgiveness, then you start seeing the symptoms fall off. The symptoms of what? The symptoms of sin. You believe you're healing, then you start to see the symptoms fall off. So, you got some areas in your life that you're struggling with, that you're working with. You know, some things you know you, that are, you're going down the wrong road. Some people are going down a bunch of wrong roads, not just one. And uh, some roads are bigger than others. Some small little paths. Some big old highways. Y'all know what I'm saying. What we call little sins, big sins. They all sins. You get saved. And all of a sudden, this path right here doesn't look very inviting anymore. Something's changed. And this path doesn't look inviting anymore. I'm struggling with this path over here. I really don't want to go down this path. But like Paul said, I keep doing what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I should be doing. We're working on these paths. You start seeing fruits of your forgiveness. You've experienced it in your own life. And you've seen it in other people's lives. They've changed. Something's different about them. They don't talk the way they used to. 
See, one way they were talking, they were speaking curses and they were speaking negative things and they were just <clears throat> talking awful and that was going down this wrong path over here. But you know, I've noticed they don't talk that way anymore. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The grace of God happened. They received forgiveness of their sins. They became a new creation. The new creation don't talk the same way the old creation talked. Yeah, but I mean, talking about how does this work out with sickness, well, I still see some, some symptoms, and you say I'm healed, but why am I seeing symptoms? Well, if we took everybody in here and looked at your life for the past year, would we find any symptoms of sin? Is there any symptoms of sin? Has everybody in here got it 100% right for the whole entire last year? Well, no. You'll see some symptoms of sin, right? Does that mean you're not forgiven? The same thing would apply to sickness. If you see some sickness, some symptoms of the curse, if you see some sickness in your life, does that mean you're not healed? Well, no, you are healed. How do we know? Because the word says, he says, which one's easier? You're forgiven and you're healed. Amen. Um, in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And Isaiah is prophesying here it's about things that are happening way in the future. <clears throat> and um, I got this translation right here, the Young's Literal. I want you to see this out of the Young's Literal. Isaiah 53, starting in the first verse. First verse. Who hath given credence to uh, that which we heard, and the arm of Jehovah on whom hath it had been revealed? Yeah, he cometh up as a tender plant before him and as a root out of dry land. He hath no form, no honor. We observe him, nor appearance when we desire him. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus didn't come wearing a, a bunch of gold and fancy clothes. and um, He wasn't at all like the Jews were expecting, I can tell you. He was just a normal, average, ordinary looking man. Much like you average peasants out there, not like me kidding joking you understand that's how he looked they were expecting something totally different but Jesus was just a look just like them they said he wasn't even pleasant to the eye so that means um, he wasn't attractive it says he's despised and left of men a man of pains and acquainted with sickness and is one hiding the uh, face from us he is despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. Was Jesus ever sick? Do we ever read anything about him being in sickness and having pains or any of those things? No. The sickness and the pains was when he went to the cross. Your pain and your sickness got put up on him. The sins of the world got put up on him. He didn't sin. He wasn't sick. There was no sin in his life. Sickness is a, a res direct result from sin Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden sin the curse entered in that's where sickness came from now you and I yeah we can get in sin and we can open up the door to Satan he can come into your life and have his way but in other words Jesus didn't sin he, he didn't sin there was no sin in his life there was no, there was no sickness what sickness is, he, is Isaiah referring to here he's talking about my sickness your sickness was put up on Jesus on the cross so all my sickness was put on him. All your sickness was put on him. All my sins were put on him. All your sins are put on him. Our broken peace, it was on him. Our sorrows, our pains, all of it put upon him. 
Every sin that ever was or that ever will be, every sickness that ever was or ever will be was put up on the, on the cross that day. We see this cross as a pretty thing, gold necklaces, and up there on the side of the interstate, which I love that cross up there, that big, huge, giant one that you can't miss. I love it. But it wasn't a pretty place. It wasn't a pretty place at all. Now, right here in the fourth verse. Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he carried them, and we, we have esteemed him plague, smitten of God. Our sickness he hath borne. He has borne our sickness. And he is pierced for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace is upon him. And by his bruise, there is healing to us. Now we read this and, and still uh, divide it up. And um, you can't do that. You can't say, I believe that, that. Let me back up to this one. Right here, I was already there. That he was pierced for our transgressions. In other words, that he died for our sins, but we're just gonna leave out that our sickness that he hath borne. You can't divide it up and just pick out the part of the scripture that you want and leave out the other part. He died for our sickness and he died for our sins, both just the same. Like I said, Jesus said, which one's easier? You can't do that. People say, well, I'm just gonna stick. I don't preach all that healing stuff. I just preach the gospel. You can't preach the gospel without preaching healing. Unless, I mean, how could you? It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Won't you preach the same gospel that Jesus preached? Preach the same gospel that Peter preached. Preach the same gospel that Paul preached because they preach forgiveness and they preach healing. Preach the same gospel that the Holy Spirit provided to you to preach. Healing and forgiveness. That's the gospel. You can't preach the gospel and leave out healing. Well, that's what I've heard. Well, people say all sorts of crazy stuff. I always refer back to the Word of God. That's your reference. Red letters trumps PhDs every time. Amen. Well, you've heard of people say, well, he only did that to prove that he was the Son of God. Well, if he was going to do that to, pre to prove that he was the Son of God, wouldn't he have done that in his own hometown? When Jesus went to his home, own hometown, it says he couldn't do any mighty works there. He couldn't do it. Not he wouldn't do it, but he couldn't do it. Why couldn't he do it? Because of their unbelief. Now, if you were going to prove that you were the Son of God to anybody, wouldn't you want to do it to your hometown? Especially when they said, you ain't nobody. You just that old carpenter's boy. We know you. We watched you grow up. You ain't the Son of God. Oh, yeah? Bring out the sickest ones you got. Blind them up here. I'm going to show y'all. I'm going to heal them all. He didn't do that. He said he couldn't. Not that he wouldn't, but he couldn't. Why? Because of their unbelief. He didn't do it to prove that he was the Son of God. And if he was going to do it to prove he's the Son of God, why would he have to heal them all? Everywhere he went, you read in the Scripture, we're going to read in it the weeks to come. When they brought the sick and laid them before Jesus, multitudes, great multitudes, large multitudes, the Scripture describes it many different ways, thousands of people, it says he healed them all. The ones that came to receive Jesus and to receive healing, it says he healed them all. Would you have to heal all of them to prove you're the Son of God? Why No. It's the fact is, everybody that came believing and receiving was healed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, this scripture right here that we just read in Isaiah, that he had borne our sicknesses, that he had died for our sickness. He died so that we could be healed. In Matthew, in the New Testament, 
It says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with, with the word, and he healed all who were sick. There you go. What I just said, he healed all who were sick. He says, why? To prove his deity, to prove that he was the son of God? No. That it might be fulfilled, which was pro spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Why did Jesus go to the whipping post? Why did he have the crown of thorns shoved on his head? Why did he go through everything he went through before he even got to the cross to fulfill this scripture so that we could be redeemed, spirit, soul, mind, and body? He took care of everything. Praise the Lord. Y'all don't seem very excited. It's awfully quiet in here. Everything's been fulfilled. It wasn't to prove anything. It was to fulfill scripture. Aren't you glad that it belongs to you? All we've got to do is believe it and receive it. Believe it and receive it. Believe it and receive it. You need to start talking it. You need to read it often. You need to get scriptures. You need to go to bed thinking about them. When you wake up in the middle of the night, you need to be thinking about them. If you're not ever thinking about the Word of God, if you're not ever thinking about what belongs to you, if you're not ever thinking about these things, then that means you're putting the wrong thing in you. I can tell. Some nights I wake up in the middle of the night and I start thinking about a, a work or I start thinking about somebody that says something made me mad. Or I start thinking about this and thinking about that and I think, I, I think, I gotta quit thinking about this. I like to wake up in the middle of the night thinking about scriptures what belongs to me what God's done to me just quoting the word speaking the word speaking life over myself speaking life over my family I love going to bed on Saturday night the last thing I always try to do is read a scripture and pray and spend time with the Lord and I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it and I wake up in the morning thinking about it and I try to keep it on my mind and try to keep no, all distractions to a minimum and, and come to church and just stay in the zone but sometimes life hits and uh, storms blow up. I understand that aren't on the forecast and your mind gets off on other things. But what I'm telling you is it, don't it doesn't take a PhD. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to stop and go, what am I thinking about? Why am I thinking this? I need to take that thought captive and throw it out the window while I'm driving down the interstate. Amen. Praise the Lord. Man. Did we change the sign out front? Is this a Presbyterian church? I've never even been to Presbyterian church, but I heard it's quiet up in there. Man, I'm going to go to the nursery so I can get some action. That's where it's at. I'm going to preach for a long time today because my sister's in the nursery. She told me to keep it short. I know she can hear me right now. We've got about another hour. We've got six pages of notes, Caitlin. Y'all perked up then, y'all like, I gotta go to the bathroom and never come back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. In the book of Numbers, this is, we're bringing her, we're winding her around here. It's hard to, 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 to pick a spot to stop because this is going on for weeks here, okay? And don't wait till next Sunday to come back to hear, about, hear this. If you don't know any scriptures, Google healing, healing scriptures. There's 
get in the New Testament, start reading, and it's not that long. You can read it pretty quick and, and, and focus in on that. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. Okay? All right. In Numbers right here. And we could stay here for quite a while, but I'm going to move through quick as possible. It says, Then they journeyed uh, from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea, and go, they go to the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged <clears throat> on the way. Now, this is the children of Israel. They've been delivered out of Egypt. They're on the way there. And it says they become very discouraged. And we get discouraged from time to time. Don't we? I mean, if you look at what's going on in the United States of America right here in our own home state, it is very discouraging. It is very discouraging. I mean, I wish I could get up there and get everybody's attention and just say, why can't we just all get along? Is it really that hard? I feel like I can get along with anybody. I'm serious. I know a guy that's an atheist. He don't even believe in God, but he comes to church every now and then because he likes me. We get along. Do I agree with him? Why no? Does he agree with me? Well, obviously not. They asked me if I'd preach his funeral when he dies. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'll preach it. But yeah, I love him. We raced together on some... A little dirt bike races, two man teams, and we won. We get along. I love him. Do we think the same? Absolutely not. Night and day difference, but man, it's discouraging. It is discouraging. It's kind of like when doing marriage counseling, and I talk to people and I think, if y'all could just sit in my seat, see what I see, your marriage would be great. I mean, you could just fix it so easily. I forget that I was at numb school several years back. You know what I'm saying? You forget how, you know, we quit doing things. We forget we used to be an idiot, right? Yeah. But it is discouraging. I, I see people getting divorced thinking, man, y'all could have an awesome marriage. I can see it. If you just quit being this way and if you just start doing that, man, it just, you'll be good. You know what you need? You just get you a piece of paper and draw you a triangle on it. A circle here and a circle here and a circle up here. And here's the man and here's the woman. And this circle up here is Jesus. And this man right here and this woman are a certain distance apart. And this man right here can go straight to Jesus. But you're still the same distance from her as you were before you started. Or she can grow to the Jesus and you're still the same distance. I want to tell you what happens. When y'all both quit focusing on what he needs to do and what she needs to do, focus on my relationship with Jesus, and you start going up that triangle because you're getting closer to Jesus, so your goal is Jesus. And we're going up, up, up. The closer you get to Jesus, the closer y'all start getting to each other. And when the intersection takes place, that's when you're going to have a happy home. I tell you how I know, because I was right over here down here on the bottom for about 13 years. My wife was right up here with Jesus the whole time. I was an idiot. But then I started coming on up. I mean, just instantly, just instantly, I became like super husband, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I was trying to be super husband before. But I was just trying the wrong way. Material things and just a lot of stupid things. 
And that certainly wasn't in my sermon, but somebody needed to hear that. It says they've become discouraged on the way. Don't get discouraged on the way because when you get discouraged, here's what happens. You start trying to put the blame off. It says the people spoke against God. This is a very next scripture. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die out here in the wilderness? That's what they always said. Anything happened. Well, you brought us out here to die. We should have stayed back there eating them cucumbers. He had a pickle factory waiting on them. But that's that discouraging. They started murmuring and complaining. There's no food, no water, and our soul loathes for this worthless bread. That's the manna that he rained down from heaven every day, an absolute miracle that he provided for them every day. And they get discouraged. They start murmuring. They start complaining. Why did you bring us out here? We're sick of this old man, this old worthless bread. Worthless bread, what God provided to you is worthless. It's worthless. So you don't need to curse the, the path that he's provided you to walk down or you're never going to get to the destination. Hello? Don't be cursing the place that you're at. The, the place, sometimes he's carrying you through a place. Sometimes you're going through a, 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 what am I trying to say, a season in life. Don't start cursing it. Just praise him. Don't get yourself discouraged and start blaming God and start blaming others because that's exactly what they did. So it says the Lord sent uh, fiery serpents among the people. And anytime you see in the Bible the Lord sent fiery sermons, uh, serpents, or maybe a fiery sermon, yeah, or sent the death angel, <clears throat> you go look up and study, he allowed it. He allowed it. In other words, you are underneath the umbrella of protection or just like Job's got this hedge of protection. Satan said, I can't get to him because he's got this hedge of protection around. Stay inside the hedge. Stay underneath the umbrella if you want to stay dry because you can start murmuring and complaining and get outside of God's will and get over into all this junk and start fussing and complaining. And guess what? You're going to step out from under the umbrella. You're going to get wet. Stay in it. Stay under it. Stay in the covering. A sinful life can get you out from underneath that covering. Stay in the God's covering that he's provided to you. Amen. It's this thing called faithfulness. So here comes these fiery serpents. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. They bit the people. Many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against you. That's back when they were murmuring and complaining. They were fussing. I'm tired of this bread and what's Moses doing? And they said, pray the Lord that he'll take away the serpents from us. And Moses said, I'm not going to pray a thing. You're getting what you deserve. Is that what he said? No. He says, oh, Moses prayed for the people. That's a good lesson for you and I. Give a little mercy if you want some mercy. You want to reap some mercy, you better sow some mercy. You know, the debtor, they got forgiven his debt, but then he went out and had the man that owed him thrown in jail. Mm. So, so in some mercy. So Moses prayed. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, that it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. So it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone... When they looked on the bronze serpent, he lived. That's pretty wild, isn't it? That God said, make this bronze serpent, heat it up, melt it down, make this serpent, put it on a pole and hold it up. And if anybody's out there getting bit by serpents, if you'll just look at it, you'll live. 
Look at a snake on a pole. How crazy is that? Well, let me tell you. Have you ever seen the signs at the doctor's office? Or have you ever seen the signs at the hospitals? Or on the nurse's lapel? Or there's a pole and there's a snake going around it right there? You know what? If they ever find out that that's scriptural, they'll probably take the signs down. Somebody will make them because they'll be offended. Because that's, it's a healing sign. It's a healing sign. It's representing the serpent in the wilderness. And Moses held up and said, look at it. And you'll live. So keep your eye on this. Look at it now. Put yourself in their place. You're talking about hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people out in tents, relatively close together. They got camels and donkeys and horses and livestock. They got men. They got women. They got children. They got all this scattered out. Next thing you know, here comes some fiery serpents coming through the camp. Now, what would happen if I just went back here in this bag I've got and I pulled out some rattlesnakes and throwed out here real quick? Will there be a ruckus and a commotion? Y'all going to split. Y'all going to cut out of Dodge, aren't you? I don't have any back there. I'm kidding. If I did, I'd be cutting out. <laughs> I'd be cutting out there in my truck to get my pistol to shoot that thing. Speaking of that, I saw a rattlesnake the other day in the woods. Big, fat one. Right here, local. There's a fella, this man Scott was out there. This fella, he had had a few too many to drink, you know. And I saw him, he got all his beer cans and throwed them out. And I'm like, I don't like that. I already didn't like it. He's already getting under my skin. Scott said when he saw him do that, he went ahead and started praying because he's afraid he didn't want things to get out of hand, you know. You know, you start getting drinking, you kind of get loose with the tongue. And, and, then, and then if you're on the other end of it, you, you want to shut that tongue up. You know what I mean? It can get, it can get ugly. Anyway, not that I would do that because I'm a preacher, but... This big snake was out there across the trail, and there's a big old rattlesnake. And I was like, Scott, you got your gun? And his buddy had a gun, and he's fixing to shoot it, and this guy didn't want to shoot the snake. He said, let me catch it. And I said, no, you ain't catching it. You've been drinking? You're not as quick as you think you are? And I'm thinking in my mind, I don't want to have to drag you out of the woods and try to, you know, make Scott suck the poison out or whatever. Anyway, we killed it. The guy wasn't happy. The whole time I'm thinking to myself, if you're so concerned with nature, won't you go back and pick all your beer cans up that you throw it out? I mean, really, come on now. But uh, that has nothing to do with anything. I just want to tell that story. But if we turn these snakes loose, there will be a ruckus. So imagine all these camps and tents and men and women and children out playing. Here comes snakes through the tent, through the crack, through it, through your neighborhood. What would happen? People are running, screaming. They're getting bit on the leg, getting bit on the arm. Oh my gosh, I've been bit. Horses jumping up, running, tents falling, stuff falling in the fire, tents catching on fire, trying to find your children because everybody's utter, total chaos. Everybody has seems to have lost their mind. What does that remind you of? Turn the news on. Turn the news on. It seems that the country we live in, the, the, We've lost our minds. I mean, it's chaos. People are running everywhere. People are going crazy. People in fear. People are mad. You know people were mad when those snakes came in. Why is God doing this? Why that? And people were in fear, running scared. You see people in fear right now, very scared of the, the wrong, wrong. Real scared. That's the corona, by the way. Scared. Wrong, wrong. That's my new name. But what did he tell them to do? Look at the serpent on the cross. Look at the serpent on the cross. It was bigger than that. 
You start reading in the other versions, he says, look, on the serpent, look at the serpent on the cross with an expectancy. With an expectancy. And the Amplified, I have it right here, it says, look on that serpent attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. You'll live. Look at it attentively, expectantly, with an absorbing gaze. You know what that means? That means I don't, it don't matter what's going on around you. You in that camp right there and them snakes you're crawling through, everybody's going crazy just to stop. He probably had to send runners through the camp going, don't run, don't panic, don't get in fear. Just look at the serpent on the cross. Look at it and you'll live. Look at it expecting. Look at it in an absorbing gaze. That means just to look at it. That means people are going crazy all around you. There's one slithering right between your legs and maybe you felt it go across your feet. Don't take your eye off of it. Keep your eye on the author and the finisher, the perfecter of your faith. Just look at it. Somebody's screaming right here because they got bit. Keep looking at it. Keep looking at the serpent on the cross because the serpent on the cross, you just may not know this, but it's a type and shadow of your Jesus on the cross. How in the world could Jesus be the serpent on the cross? That don't even sound right. Well, in John 3.16, the most popular scripture in the entirety of the Bible, back her on up a couple, it says that Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Why? Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then we know what John 3.16 says. God sent his only begotten son. Why? So that you and I could believe on him. And what would happen? We'd have everlasting life. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the same Jesus is represent, the serpent on the pole is a representation of our Jesus on the pole. Do you see that? Healing has been provided to us. Healing has been provided to us. Would we ever look at Jesus on the cross, hanging there, just beat to shreds, crown of thorns, bones out of joint, says his bones are looking back at him. Blood, I mean, can't even imagine the blood. We talk about the 39 lashes, huh? Wasn't no 39 lashes. That was the Jews. Jews didn't crucify him, the Romans did. Do some studying. The Romans had this thing called the halfway death. They tried to kill you right there at the whipping post. Why? Well, they didn't want to have to put you on the cross and take you back down. That's double work. If they can just beat you to death right here, then we ain't got to go to the cross. But the problem is Jesus kept getting up and he just kept getting up. And he just kept getting up because he was going to the cross because he had to become the lamb who was slain for you and me. But the Romans had this thing called the halfway death. They tried to kill you right there at the stake. So 39... 39 on each arm, hundreds. His bones are staring back at him. They beat him open. I mean, I picture him carrying, I picture him carrying the cross and literally holding his guts in from falling down on the ground. And I sure don't deserve that. Would we ever look at him and go, Jesus, did you really go through all that for me? Are you really hanging on that cross, beating to shreds? I mean, did you really do that for me? Well, heavens no. Why in the world we look at the cross and go, Jesus, I mean, did, did, did you really die so 
to I could be healed. Like you really forgave all my sins and you really healed all my diseases. Is that really what you did? That's what, in essence, that's what we're doing. When you say I'm going to receive everything that cross accomplished except for the healing. Man, I'm just telling you today, receive what's been provided to you. Amen. Anna, come on up and we're going to close out. In the 80s, in the 80s, there was a team of doctors in Switzerland. Now, I want y'all to get a hold of this. This team of doctors in Switzerland, they started working. They worked for quite a while. And they took the blood of a lamb. See, up until then, the blood of horses had been used to make anti-venom. But these doctors in Switzerland found out that they used the blood of the lamb and that when they injected that into the victim who had been snake bitten, that it immediately went to work fighting off the venom, the antibodies and all that stuff, and actually became the absolute perfect snake bite venom. That should give you chills. Because some people in here today has been snake bitten. And I can tell you what you need for your antidote, and that's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the antidote. You don't have to run through the tent screaming, how am I going to pay my bills? Run through the tent. How am I going to afford this medicine? One more doctor's visit. Or this, this bad back I got. These diabetes. Uh, the doctor said I had this, that, or the other. A long list of things we could go down on. You don't have to run through the tent. Stop. Quit running. There's a snake crawling across your foot. I don't care. I'm just going to be right here. Focus on the altar and the finisher of my faith. I'm gazing upon that cross. Some people have been running through camp screaming. Well, Jesus is your antidote. If you've been snake bitten, quit running. Stop. Gaze upon the cross. It's provided to you healing this morning. Amen. He is worthy of it all. It's a song she's playing there. He is worthy of it all. Somebody said last week, they said, I felt my faith growing during the sermon. And I felt it stirring. I felt it building. You know why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know why we're here? To get it stirred. To get it stirred. To get it stirred. To get it building. And a lot of junk that needs to go out. You put the good stuff in, there ain't no room for the bad stuff. Y'all with me? Y'all following me? I remember growing up, I remember very first getting into ministry and I heard a man who was an older pastor not here at this church but he was somewhere else I liked him, still do but they're talking about somebody being sick and this old this family was sick and they had come on some hard times different things they're like I just don't know why these things are happening to me he said, sin in the camp. And I thought, 
about sin in the camp. I didn't even know what that meant. And I started reading the word about Achan bringing some things back into the camp and things weren't going real good for the Israelites and found out there was sin in the camp. So Joshua took him and all his children and everything he owned outside and they stoned them to death and killed them. That's a terrible story. I mean, I read it and think, how awful. Sin in the camp. Some people have been taught that. Some people have heard that. Some people have been told that the reason why you struggle sin in your camp it's your fault that's the biggest pile of junk I've ever heard sure sometimes you've got sin in your camp but it's not going to be a surprise to you you know when there's sin in your camp but just because something bad happens to you just because you're experiencing those things doesn't mean there's sin in your camp your dog can get sick like we said last week or a bush out in your yard why? because sin on this earth Sin on this earth. Why do I say all that? I say that to say this. There ain't gonna be no sin up in this camp. There's gonna be some healing up in this camp. That's what you need to be saying. The camp I'm referring to is this camp right here that I'm talking to. It's listening to me today online, on Facebook, wherever you're at right here in this building. There's gonna be some healing up in this camp. I'm telling you, over the next several weeks, this thing's building, faith's building. We're gonna see some healing in the camp. You're going to see some healing in the camp. The way you talk is going to change. You're going to quit speaking death and defeat. You're going to quit saying, my daughter's got this problem, my daughter's got that problem. You're going to quit talking like that, and you're going to start saying, my daughter's healed. She's healed. Don't look like it. Stick around. Keep looking. Hide and watch. Praise the Lord. Amen. Healing in the camp. See, this sermon is called The Full 103. That's because we're going to receive The Full 103. All your sins, all your diseases. You don't divide them. They're together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand up. We're going to close out here with a song. I'm going to close this in prayer. And we'll sing and we'll be dismissed. And during this song, I'm going to tell you, this this will change you. This will help you. Just closing your eyes. You're singing these words. Picture him on that cross. And he's on that cross for you. He died for you. The sickness of you was put upon him so that you could be healed. He took your place. Your sins were put upon him so that you could become the righteousness of God. Why? How? Through Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Look at him hanging on the cross. Just picture him in your mind as you're singing. He's worthy of it all. He is worthy of your praise. He is worthy of the glory. He's worthy of it all. And just receive everything that that cross provided to you this morning. Just gaze upon the cross. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that you've forgiven us and healed us. And we receive everything that you've provided to us by way of the cross. And we just thank you right now. We praise you. 
we're leaving out this morning better than we came in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.